Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. Why I didn't get excuse me? Can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come they can say whatever they want to me? Oh, it's old talent. That don't work. I just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I going to be his boyfriend. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. And we are here with a somewhat hobbled Aldwin era. (laughs) Somewhat is an understatement. Yeah, I mean, you're hobbled more so in the upper extremities, i.e. your elbow and arm versus your leg which you also injured on the weekend when we played friday friday it was on friday jason and i played uh tennis at supreme on friday morning i was so excited um minus my serve i thought i was playing pretty well and then at six three three love jason played a cheesy shot cheesy chip Cheesy chip, short, I ran for it, and I did a weird stutter step, and my hamstring started to, I think I tweaked something in my hamstring. And so Jason, like, do you need a minute? I'm like, yeah, bitch, I do need a minute. (laughs) (laughs) As if we were playing like a ATP match, like, let's relax, everyone. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I tried to stretch it out, and then after a couple of minutes, I went to serve, and I couldn't put any pressure on it. So that was Friday. My hamstring update is that it's fine. I've been able to jump on it and move and all of that fabulous stuff. And all of a sudden yesterday, I woke up with a pain in my right elbow. Like I could not, I could not bend it. And the pain was, you know, it was fleeting. It would kind of come and go, but it's progressively gotten worse, which makes me think that because it's attacked my joint, that it's my recurring issue with gout except in my elbow joint now. Just so everyone knows, as he's been telling the story, he's been holding his elbow up (laughs) as if everybody can see it. So can you see it, everybody? (laughs) I I told Jason we have this uh, ritual before we record where he says one, two, three, record. And that's when we press our button. (laughs) And he's like, one, two, three, and We're supposed to clap, but I told him I can't clap. (laughs) (laughs) He continues to hold it straight. And I assume things will work itself out. And if if it is the gout, you have some medication to support you with that. Yeah, I mean, I had to bail on Ryan. I'm so sorry, Ryan. I know you're like so cheese, but I mean, I tried to make it work today. I couldn't. I next play with Cam on Wednesday. So Cam, here's hoping I can get back on the court and we can hit. And then girl, you and I are playing on Friday morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't continue to take victories in the same way I did this past Friday where you had to forfeit, so... I mean, we're not calling that a victory, though. I mean, uh, if if you're me, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. You know, I'll give that to you. I mean, everyone needs to boost their ego in some way. Well, speaking of boosting our <laughs> ego and victories, yes. are, are you, you and I, uh, 
we're we're boosting our ego a little bit and we're sharing a victory with all of our fans because Wednesday, the day our 25th episode dropped, was <laughs> such an interesting day, wasn't it? Inter- interesting is the mildest of adjectives you could use to describe what Wednesday was. <laughs> I can give a bit of a preamble. So yes. um, for everybody who listens, or if you have been listening the last few weeks, you will know that I watched a movie that Aldwin suggested I watch on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. And it talks about, you know, how social media and our apps and everything to do with our phone take is taking over our very existence and we have sort of this impulse and this need to constantly be attached to our phone and see how many likes we have and see who's engaging with our posts (laughs) sound a bit familiar (laughs) so i turned off all of my notifications so i wasn't getting any pings and i would just choose sort of the points in the day where I would take a moment to do that. And, you know, sometimes that isn't 7.38 in the morning when I received a phone call from the one and only Aldwin this past Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to reel it back a little bit further. So Jason has been diligently messaging out messaging and reaching out to a couple of ATP and WTA players trying to procure our next beautiful, wonderful, fabulous um, tennis pro as a guest on our podcast. And I'm not going to ruin the surprise yet, but one of these WTA players he had had success with. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago before the tournament in Ostrava, this WTA player had replied to one of his original messages to her. Um, again, Jason reaching out, being like, girl, come on now. Come on, around, come on our podcast. You did so well in the latter half of the 2020 season. So I was at school, again, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw this player reply. And she was like, you know what? I would definitely love to do that. It's just not the right timing right now, but we'll keep in touch, and I'll let you know when, when I'll be able to do your pod. So... Shall I continue with what happened yeah, Wednesday keep go- morning? Keep going. Tell us what ha- happened. What ha- happened. So y'all know I have a dog, Bruno, basically like my child. I wake my ass up every morning at around 5.45 a.m. to get myself ready and to walk this girl around the block so that she gets her exercise. Now, as I usually do when I'm with Bruno, I check my phone because unlike Jason, I'm not making any attempt to be disconnected from my social media because I am basically a slave to Instagram <laughs> <laughs> at this point. And I was on our Ready Play Tennis podcast IG, just perusing through the messages. And this player, I was just checking the inbox of messages of this particular WTA player. And before my very freaking eyes, the ellipses, you know, surrounded by that circular oval shape popped up. I'm like, this girl's ready to send me a message. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't I don't know if you remember Jay, but the me- I don't know what the message was actually what the wording of the actual message was, but essentially she said, "I'm coming home today. Let's do something tonight." And I immediately peed a little bit in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was in Windsor mm-hmm. because I was visiting my Uh, my dad who has uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and uh, you know doing my parent my parent visit and wearing a mask 
uh, every time I was in his presence um, and uh, working from there. So, yeah, I was a little bit uh, shocked and surprised. And of course, what we <laughs> what we tried to do with this particular player was defer her to the next day. <laughs> This like we're like this is not a good day for us. <laughs> <laughs> like you you know like really great any really great pod uh, broadcaster we tried to get them to wait until tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I just say something? So once the message came in, I I always defer to Jason in this you know business tennis best friendship partnership whatever you want to call it. I'm like, I am not answering her. <laughs> I don't have the presence of mind to look at all of the angles. Jason being in his kind of um, business and, you know, his education and his formation allows him to be more professional and allows him to be more prepared. I would have just blubbered some bullshit and it would have just ruined the whole damn thing. I mean, I'm good at drinking beer and riding on a unicorn floaty that's what engaged <laughs> genie but i said jason's got to take the steer like the steering wheel on this one so i let her handle it <laughs> and i think what the message that she ultimately responded to and said you know i'm coming back let's try and do something uh tonight was you know just giving a bit of a profile of who we are you are a french teacher and you're teaching kids and i you know work for a charity um and this is why we started this podcast and you know we would love to talk to you about how your season went so we've had uh, a couple of exchanges with this particular player but that one uh i think caught her attention and you, you know maybe we were offering a bit of catholic guilt in you know <laughs> get letting her into a bit of who we who we are yeah i mean needless to say me being miss frazzle mcfrazzle I went to school that day and I was not present. All I could think about was what questions are we going to ask her? There's no time to prepare. You know, I was trying to be calm when I called Jason that morning. I was like, girl, did you see the message? So going back to when the message first came into our inbox, I was like, girl, did you see the message? He's like, uh, no. <laughs> and I go, read the message. So he read it. And I was like, listen, can you please take control of this one today? Like, put the questions together anyway in all jason really organized all of the questions and yeah i mean i just was a hot mess the whole day <laughs> <laughs> so i mean if any of you were following our ig uh last week on wednesday you would know that the one the only the incomparable victoria azarenka was our interview, which we conducted that day. So from Aldwin driving in his car um, <laughs> to work, sharing the story, letting you know it was our 25th episode and we were having Vika on to getting you to share some questions, which none of them were really that good, quite frankly, <laughs> <laughs> to creating uh, some of our own and having a wonderful conversation. Yeah, it was... It it ended up being magical. I mean, uh, the time that we spent with her, I mean, we're not going to go into what the actual interview was, but needless to say, it was it was magical. I, I, I still can't believe we interviewed two-time Grand Slam champion Vika Azarenka. I know. And I, you know, I have to give us credit for 
our skill as interviewers. I think we conduct really good interviewers, interviews, interviewers. We can go, we conduct really good interviews is what I'm trying to say. Can I just say one thing? I mean, on that note, it's definitely related. Vika wanted to stay on. <laughs> she wanted to stay on and she wanted to have more girl chats. So, you know, to Jason's point, I mean, I think we make it very conversational and make, you know, it was just a comfortable situation for her. So that was fantastic. Yeah. And we'll talk maybe a little bit more about the interview next week before it comes out, which will be in a couple of weeks. But we wanted to just sort of give you a bit of our experience from last <laughs> week and how our uh, day turned upside down. I mean, one of the things that I think is is a nice summation of this is one of our um, pitches to her was to be uh, the guest for our 25th episode, but she you know, messaged us the day that our 25th episode came out. So mm -hmm. I know she's going to be a nice season finale. Yeah. Season finale. But we have a couple more episodes to go. And we have to rock out with our boy Vashik Pospisil, mm -hmm. who made a another tour final. I think his second ATP tour final tournament final, but came up short came up a little short I think that he's your I think you feel spiritually connected to him I mean we talk about a lot of the favorites you have like you know obviously your number one is always going to be Delpo um, Medvedev up and coming kind of I feel is taking over Delpo's role but there's for sure a super soft spot you have for Vashek I think it's because you met him in Australia a couple years ago so you just I don't I I know Vashik is going to be on. I actually feel he's going to be our first male guest on the show. I do. That would be uh, awesome. You, if you put it out in the universe, the universe will align itself so that it works for you. And I just and I I can see it, I can feel it. He, Vashik, if you're listening, <laughs> please be the first guest uh as a, an ATP tour player. Maybe the first guest for our next season. Yeah, I know. We would book end with Vika and what a perfect way to start 2021 with anything is possible. Yeah. So I joined the match around one all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was one all against Sinner. Uh, Pospisil got broken early on in the match, which kind of sucked. So he went down 2-1. Um, and then th they kept ho holding serve um, through to 5-4. But Vashik had his chances, man. He uh, had a break point after getting broken at 2-1 to potentially get back on serve. Um, and he took two games to deuce, but could not follow through. And he was holding well after he got broken. He held to love those next three games. But Sinner took the first set 6-4. Mm -hmm. Wow, you really have a exact play-by-play. -play. I know. And then in the second set, <laughs> Vashik breaks in the sixth game to go up 4-2. And then he continues that solid serving and he won that that second set six three and mm -hmm. do you know in that second set vashik won 27 points to sinners 15 so he had like a command of that set wow did you count did you have like you know your little notches on like a, a line sheet of paper <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was counting them points and then in the third set it was really back and forth affair and you know it got to six games all and i was like Come on, Vashik, this is where you're going to have your moment, your first title in ATP 2-double-50. And uh, 
Vashik went down 4-2 in the tiebreak, and that was tough. Oh, I know. That mini break was was it for him. Yeah. It was and it then for him. It was it. And then Sinner took a commanding 6-3 lead, and it was possible to serve, but he couldn't convert, and he lost 7-3 in the tiebreak, and therefore the match. And the match. Can I just ask you a question? Sure. So I'm imagining Jason Patterson in the comfort of his beautiful home, watching this finals of Sophia, lounging in a pair of thick woolly socks, maybe with a light <laughs> beverage in the afternoon, um, perhaps some crackers and cheese, just you know, for a little nosh nosh. What was your, like what was the atmosphere? Where were you? Tell me everything because you took such diligent notes on this final. I mean, Thank you for the question. So I was in my jogging pants uh, okay. down, downstairs in, in our lovely home. Uh, and there's this big TV um, in that in that main room. And you would think that I was watching it there. But instead, I was actually on my phone watching the live <laughs> updates on the Google, watching the little line underneath the score oh as it God. bounced back and forth and updated you know the 30 15 to 30 all that's how i watch this match because tsn sucks oh joie what? they should be playing this final but they don't they don't take uh they don't air the 250 tournaments so i got nada and then i tuned into the third set on uh a, a, another podcast called game to love podcast where they live stream themselves two dudes from <laughs> england live stream themselves watching the match uh from from wherever they are on youtube okay so how did you transition from watching <laughs> the scores change virtually to figuring out that there was another podcast that was live streaming and watching it live because i googled on youtube and tried to find the match and they there they were what popped up so i tuned into them and they are the ones that told me that Vashik won 27 points to Sinners 15. Okay a couple of things here number one thank you sorry what's the name of that podcast? Game to Love Tennis Podcast. Podcast Love thank you Game to Love Tennis Podcast for providing my boy Jason Patterson <laughs> with his third set you know life watching his boy Vashik and you know what I'm going to make an appeal on behalf of Jason Vashik, if you're you first of all, it's not if you're listening, but you better be damn listening. <laughs> this is Jason's dedication to you as a tennis player. He will not only sit in a pair of pajamas and watch this your score change in your final of the 250 tournament at Sofia, and like he could be doing a plethora of other things, but he chose to support you, and then he thought in his mind that he was going to Google where he could watch <laughs> your final. And he didn't even get like, you know, a stream from like a international cable station. He ended up watching a podcast that was live streaming. So he was watching a show that was watching you. So I'm going to get a little aggressive, just like your <laughs> forehands were uh, at that final. And you better say yes, because he has the power of, his love and his dead dog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my dead dog Cujo would really love for you to come. It was his dying <laughs> wish that you come on our show. I mean, he said it as I was, you know, giving him his final 
push um, in that in that in that vet. And if I could have watched uh, if any of those two podcasters were wearing glasses and I could watch the match reflected again off their glasses and from the TV <laughs> screen, I would have done that. So please, Vashik, come on the show. He's a diehard fan. He is. I mean, he, what's stopping him from just tattooing his face all over his body? <laughs> Your face all over his body. I don't know. <laughs> I think what I like about him is his grit and determination. I love the way he comes to the net. I love the way he smacks that that forehand. Um, and he's, he, he's a dangerous player. I think he was described in an article I read recently as uh, one of the more dangerous floaters on the tour. Because uh, he can, you know, and that was evident, I think, in his run at the U.S. Open where he beat RBA and he beat Raonic. Um, and I forget who else. He beat two other pretty solid players to get to the fourth round. Yeah. I mean, Vashek, from my, if my memory serves me correctly, was making was mounting a comeback at the end of last season, 2019. You know, I think he was in Montpellier or one of those 250 or 500 tournaments. Did well there. He had a beautiful Asics kit. I remember it was like black and neon green. Yellow, yeah. Yellow. And of course, COVID happened. So that halted his progression. But here he is back in contention for a title. And so, Vasha, come on, girl. You got some time between now and Australia. Get back to Vancouver, wherever you are. Eat one of those mushrooms and just you know oblige oblige us you know and come on our come on our pod. Yeah, let your girlfriend go out with her friends and you can come on our <laughs> show. You know she's definitely beautiful. I understand you want to be around her, but you know uh, let her have some time alone with her friends and you come and hang with your friends on the Ready Play Tennis podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you would die. I can already tell. You would literally die. I would die with. So much excitement! I I don't know if I would be able to contain myself. I'd show him, I'd show him the photo and say, "Do you remember this? Do you remember it? Do you think about it every day?" <laughs> please, actually, Vashik, please don't listen to this particular episode. <laughs> but come on our show. <laughs> so he he lost to a player that we've been talking about a lot, though. Yes, Yannick Sinner, who I I thought was from Australia at the beginning of our season because he made a pizza of his face and I was like oh this Australian pay player and he's like mm, no honey he's from Italy <laughs> he's a sinner for beating Vashik that's for sure <laughs> but uh, yeah we have been you know loving his game I sort of pointed out to you probably four months ago now as we started this podcast he's somebody to watch and uh, you know he's progressed nicely I think he made the quarterfinals in Rome uh, he also made the quarterfinals at the French Open, and he was the only one to take Nadal, I think, to a tiebreak set um, in that first set, and he was really competitive in that set. Um, and now, you know, he ends the year with his first trophy. And I know you spent a bit of time today getting to know her a bit more. <clears throat> so me falling upon this research was complete happenstance, to be honest. I think that we all just automatically assume that any up-and-coming rising star on the ATP or WTA tour has had a lengthy career as a junior, right? Like you would automatically assume that, you know, ATP stars, WTA stars, they start their career when they're like five or six and they move into, you know, successful junior careers and that usually translates into a successful um, pro career. Yannick Sinner 
did not have that pathway at all. So let me just share with you a little bit, a little bit about his story. Yannick Sinner, as we all know, actually as I know right now, is Italian. Um, and growing up, his sport of choice was skiing, and he in fact was ranked as the second best skier in his age category in 2012. So this guy, born in the northern part of Italy, beautiful Alps as a landscape, snow until, you know, next year. <laughs> only It only made sense for him to be, to continue on this path of becoming a world-class skier. He also had the hobby of playing tennis, but again, in northern Italy, not so common of a sport, not so common of a hobby, but that's what he played in the summertime. In 2013, he decided to completely quit skiing and focus on a tennis. And so help me out here. We believe he's 19, correct? He was born in August of 2001. 2001. So in 2013, in the latter half of 2013, he would have been 12, which by, you know, other, you know, successful ATP player standards is very late in starting your your serious tennis career. So he ends up getting recognized by this coach Piotti, who had worked with Djokovic before, moved to the Piotti um, training center in another part of Italy. And just to give you a little bit of perspective, he, you know, he did not participate in any of the junior tournaments, none of the junior Grand Slams, but instead played what were what are called ITF futures. Do you know what an ITF future is? I do not. So on like in the in the categories of professional tennis matches, you have, of course, your ATP World Tour. Then you have your challenger, ATP challengers. So those are for um, players ranked lower than I would get, I would say, in the top 100 people that wouldn't automatically make the main draw earning points. And then you have the second category, which is ITF futures, which are you know, adult players that are even lower than those ranked at the ATP challengers. I did, I did know what that was, but I wasn't thinking about it within the context of him being 12 and playing those events. Right. So, so, you know, Piatti, his coach at the time thought that it would be advantageous for him to play these adult ITF futures tournaments and not on the junior tour, which all of the other ATP and WTA successful players were doing. Okay, here we go. Let's go to the timeline because this is incredible. He was ranked 1,583 in March of 2018. So 2.5 okay. years ago. Two and a half years ago, he was ranked 1583. If you watch this practice match in Greece at one of the ITF Futures tournaments there, this guy looks like a player at any public court. I swear to you. He, I mean, he has a great serve. He has like a nice forehand, but he looks so unpolished. He looks like any great, you know, t uh, club player, truly. Here is his progression. May 2019, he, um, so a little over a year later, his ranking improves. He gets qualifying into, I believe, yes, the Italian Open, and then he beats Steve Johnson, which at the time I believe was a top 60 player from the United States, gets a little bit more notoriety. Djokovic sees him as like, who is this kid? I want him to be my hitting partner, enlists him as a, as a hitting partner, and he goes from 1583 in the world to about 20 months later where he becomes the next gen champion. That was last, no, was that last year? At the end of 2019. 
2019. And here we are one year later, and he now has his first ATP championship. And, you know, when he won, sorry, just to go back a little bit, he had received a wildcard entry into Rome that year in 2018. He... Uh, lost to CC Pass pretty handily. I think it was like six two six three, some some scoreline, uh, close to that. And now he is beaten CC Pass, and so his progression is wild. Like two years is an insane is an ins- insanely short amount of time to be ranked fifteen eighty three, and now to be he must be ranked in the top fifty. Must he be. he was forty four um, at. Uh, in the final in Ostrava or sorry in Ostrava <laughs> in uh, <laughs> Sofia and uh, now his ranking must increase with those 250 points so uh, we'll see but yeah I mean that is pretty incredible and he's had a, an amazing season as we mentioned earlier he beats Tsitsipas in Rome I think Tsitsipas won that second set but uh, the first set and the third set were not not um not difficult i think for sinner so he's just a cool smooth player to watch and you wouldn't look at it by his stature to think the kind of power that he has but he's got so much easy power yeah i mean to say that his rise was meteoric is a severe understatement and he just proves that you don't have to go through the junior ranks in order to gain success on the main tour. I mean, look at someone like Donald Young, who had an insane amount of success on the junior tour, but did not translate on the ATP. Yannick Sinner just is a guy that really puts his work, um, it really takes his work seriously. And I mean, the sky's the limit. This guy is just climbing the rankings, improving himself so quickly. He's becoming a factor. I wonder if the skiing helped with the tennis <laughs> or vice versa. I don't know. Are are there like, tra- you know, are there skills that you can translate from skiing into te- into tennis? I mean, I assume there's there's leg strength going on there. There's mm. obviously the dexterity in the shifting of movement, you know, with your skis versus movement on the court. There's some, you know, synergies there perhaps. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't I don't know that there's that many transferable skills, but I mean, regardless, he's for sure an athlete. Yeah, and I I mean, I don't think many of our listeners care about those transferable skills. <laughs> they <either>. don't. <laughs> they probably don't. No. Um, but congratulations to him. Uh, Vashik, if you're listening, we know you're going to get your first title in 2021. You have s- several doubles titles, but we are you know counting on you to get your first singles but this weekend was it was not to be not to be but we're still proud of you nonetheless a finals appearance is still a spectacular result yeah and um we (laughs) (laughs) sorry the lights just went out on me here in my office so i'm now in the dark but that's fine um i forget what i was going to say Vashik, something yeah, about Vashik? I, uh, yes, yes, that's right. I was going to say Vashik put out sort of a final post with his runner-up trophy, you know, summing up his 2020 season and thanking everybody who made it possible or possible. And uh, <laughs> I put a comment to say, you know, congratulations on a great season, you know, for the 10th time, we would love for you to come on our show <laughs> and talk about it. And he liked my comment. 
So I followed up with another comment and said, does that like mean you're saying yes to coming on our show? <laughs> it's only a matter of time. I yeah. believe it's only a matter of time. I think so. I'm going to just stay here in the dark because otherwise, <laughs> um, otherwise I'd have to run all the way out to the front and turn on the lights. And that's not going to happen. So your face is your face is illuminated by this FaceTime chat. It's illuminated by my computer screen with uh, my my show notes. <laughs> okay. You don't need the light. I don't need the light. You're you're luminous enough for for me. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. It's all of my oily, like my oily skin. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to uh, end with the WTA uh, tour. Actually, mm-hmm. we're not ending the show there. We're uh, it's the end of the WTA season <laughs> in Linz, and we wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Okay, I know I threw a lot of shade at the WTA tour last year. The only reason why I threw shade was because, you know, there's still some excitement and energy and coverage of, you know, the men's tour. And I just am so disappointed that no tournaments, you know, stepped up and tried to make some kind of, you know, culminating tournament for the women on the WTA tour. They had to end their calendar year in Linz, I'm sure it's a beautiful city. Um, not as amazing as London, that's for damn sure, where the ATP finals are being held. But needless to say, this is the end of the year for the women. And the tournament kind of went as scheduled. Number one, Sabalenka faced Elise Mertens, the number two seed in the final. And honestly, no surprise here, Sabalenka was her powerful self, just as she was in Ostrava, you know, where she beat our girl Vika in the final. She defeated Mertens 7-5-6-2. And I mean, that's it for the girls. That's it for the women for the year. But I guess the one little side story that I wanted to ask you, Jason, was um, for all of you that watched the matches or, you know, some of the highlight clips, they do have a bit of a stylish thing going on in Linz over there. Like I know that Linz has experimented with the color of the courts in previous years. And this year they have chosen a very stylish charcoal (laughs) color for the court. And the exterior part of the court is like a beige. So, I mean, my question to you is does the color of the court in any way impact the way that you play or the way that you feel when you step on it? You know, I (laughs) thought about that a little bit because you teased me into uh, a little prep on that question. I I think when we initially started at Supreme, the courts were a different color than they ended up being when they resurfaced them. So now they're red. Mm-hmm. Um, so they look sort of like they resemble clay, but they're a hard court. Mm-hmm. And the outer part of the lines is blue. I think, to your point, it it makes a bit more of a difference if the surface color is different when you're on clay. So I've played on like a blue clay, and I think the club that we've played at on the lakeshore, the clay is like a green clay. Um and I know that that's been challenging for some players uh, on the professional tour when they played on clay. But all in all, I would say I, I don't really think about it too much. I probably would have, if I got to go on to those charcoal courts with the beige outline, I would be like, oh, man, this is pretty cool. I'd feel like it's, I don't know, somewhat special or different. And maybe that's what they were going for. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, in the preparation for this podcast, I shared with you, and you obviously remember as well. Don't you remember the year that the Madrid Clay Court Tournament decided to use like electric blue clay? Yes. Like people didn't like that. No, what a hot mess that was. I mean, for whatever reason, whether it was jarring to the eyes or it's just like not a suitable color to have as a tennis court surface. I mean, I'm not sure. Now, for me, I will say that historically, I have been the most successful on traditional colored, uh, traditional public courts that are colored um, green. You know, like that mossy maybe not maybe not that dark but like a darker green and the um exterior is like a terracotta do you know do you know that kind of color combination Mm, somebody's gonna uh, revoke my gay card so explain (laughs) to me terracotta so terracotta is like the color of like you know one of just like a regular pot like a a pot for a plant. Oh, okay. You know that earthy kind of ochreish, brownish, reddish color. Yeah, so, those are the courts. Uh, I think those are the same courts, the outdoor courts at the Indianapolis tournament. Yes, exactly. That is, you're absolutely right. So there's just, a, I guess, a comfort level with me on those colored courts. I grew up on those courts when I played at Centennial and Scarborough. You know, I tried to emulate Monica when I was on those courts. So I think. Uh, you know subconsciously there's just just an ease so you know when i'm on courts that color i just feel more more ready to like rip a couple balls and more willing to just let it go so that's kind of my experience and you would you would uh, chalk that up to mostly (laughs) having grown up on those kinds of courts you feel at home yeah, exactly. I mean, whether that is true or not, I don't know. But like, yeah, I do. I it, To me, it's really pleasing to the eyes. You know, I, I will say one thing about the color of the quartz and maybe we can kind of wrap that up. I do not like quartz surfaces that are all one color. Like make the color of the tennis court a different color than the exterior. Like, yeah. Agree. You know, make it distinct. You know, once that doubles line ends, change the color. Yeah, just go to Benjamin Moore or wherever you go to get <laughs> to get the paint. <laughs> to get the yeah, the the paint that you would paint the courts with. Get go get that. Yeah. Um speaking of being at home, our boy Djokovic feels right at home at the ATP World Tour finals cuz he is, you know, a five-time champ and he came in to the World Tour finals uh securing his sixth number 1 year-end number one yeah and that is no small feat because he tied he is now tied the one of the legends icons of not only men's tennis but the entire sport of tennis pete sampras mm-hmm. those big honking shorts <laughs> why, why did pete wear those i mean they're so loose he could go a little smaller yeah i mean he you know was fit in the day, I think he's fifty now. He still looks fairly good, and yeah, mm-hmm. he could have showed showed off them legs. Like fairly good in what way? Like I don't physically? know. He was not necessarily, you know, my type. If we were talking about physical attraction to tennis players, he was not my jam. He listen for me. He was super snackish. I was into that like very curly, 
chest hair that yes <laughs> that little that little um tuft of fur tuft yep. of fur peeping out of his you know nike tennis polo um <laughs> I mean, I'm always so hesitant to share what I think about how people look, <laughs> especially in this climate. But who, who effing cares? Um, he has not really aged well to me, but whatever. I mean, as long as he's happy. All that to say that congrats, Pete Sampras. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And he, he, I think, shared a video of congrats to Novak. So Novak's been year in number one, 2011, 12, 14, 15, 18, and 2020 and he came out to accept his little award with the six you know alligator logos on his jacket i saw you know what i saw that i saw his speech yes accepting his sixth year and number one and i thought that was a really cool thing that lacoste did for him yeah yeah it was it was sort of short absent the pomp and circumstance of having fans in the arena because there are none Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, congrats! Uh, an interesting season, an interesting, you know, end to the season. But uh, he was perhaps the most dominant on the tour, and you know, he might be U.S. Open champion if he didn't give a throat shot to a ball, uh, a lines woman. <laughs> Did so? Question for you: In his speech, when he said that you know he was hesitant. <laughs> Um, you know, not fully joyous in his celebration of capturing this sixth year-end number one ranking because of the suffering that COVID uh, has taken and has, you know, afflicted on so many people around the world. Do you think that he, I mean, whether he was looking for redemption or not, do you think that he redeemed himself a little bit, especially after his Adriator fiasco? Yeah, I think he has learned from his excuse me he's learned a bit from his uh his you know mistakes earlier in the season and realizes his position as sort of a leader on the tour and i you know i think realizes that he's in a big position of privilege to be able to do what he does and travel the world and that a lot has been uh, sacrificed by cities and and elsewhere to try and orchestrate this these events and keep tennis going for people like us to have a purpose to do a podcast. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, uh, I trust that he had the best of intentions with the words that he, he expressed. Yeah. You know, I think one of the catchphrases that has recently come up in tennis and, you know, in the larger, uh, you know, in just the larger discussion of, of society is cancel culture and you know we were so quick to not you and i but we as in society was were, are so quick to like cancel people but he did seem really genuine in his um in his words and that just goes to show you that anyone can turn things around at any time now we'll just have to see whether he continues with his you know with his wise words with his smart choices but I, I definitely I definitely believed him when he when he gave his speech. Yeah, and we'll see if he can pull hold that that uh, year end championship for the sixth time as well. Crazy. 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 So we have two groups. Group Tokyo nineteen seventy <laughs> and group London twenty twenty. And the reason for that is it's the fiftieth anniversary of the 
World Tour Finals, which were originally hosted in Tokyo in 1970 and are now being hosted for the final time in London in 2020. And it's obviously interesting because there are no fans. I do believe next year it is moving to somewhere in Italy. So maybe Sinner will have his first crack at the title if he keeps (laughs) rising up and he'll get to that eighth spot. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past him. I know, based on this rise, you you and and how you shared, you know, the rise that he's had um, in the last couple of years. There's no, there's nothing stopping him. Why not? Yeah. So okay, remind us all again what the groups are. So the groups are Tokyo 1970, which fe- <laughs> features Joko, who's seated number one, mm-hmm. Schwartzman, who's seated number eight. And then in the middle are the fourth and fifth seeds, which are Medvedev and Zverev. Mm -hmm. And then London is straddled by the number two and number seven seed, which is Rafael Nadal and Andre Ruby Red Russian Rublev. (laughs) And uh, the um, number three seed, Dominic Thiem and... A seat seat pass who is seated sixth. I might be getting the seatings wrong there, but okay, anyway, <clears throat> that's that. So, um, we have already had four matches one in or sorry, two in each uh pool, right? Just okay, just before we dive a little bit into judging out how day one and day two went, what were your just initial thoughts? Did you have a favorite? Who did you think was going to carry a lot of momentum into these World Tour finals? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You look at who has won it before, and that's obviously Djokovic, who's won it five times, as we mentioned. Tsitsipas, who won it in his maiden uh, attempt last year. Uh, And then Zverev, who won it in 2018. So those are the three who have won it previously. I think Dominic Team has been in it four times. Rublev and uh, um, uh, Schwartzman, it's their first. And Medvedev, I think, was also in it last year. So, I mean, if you look at um, the season and the trajectory of the tour, albeit shortened, you know, you have to look at players like Djokovic. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an early ousting in Vienna, so had some time to perhaps recoup and um, recover. Uh, Rublev, he went out a little earlier in, I think, Vienna as well, uh, but had, you know, has had five uh, trophies and um, the most match wins at 40 this season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, those were the guys that I think I was eyeing. I d- didn't see, um, I don't see Daniil. Um, having much success just because his season was sort of middling mm-hmm. um, and you know teams has sort of been middling to post US Open so and Tsitsipas was sort of up and down as well so I sort of have you know Djokovic and, and Rublev as guys to watch and then Nadal having never won it um, maybe he's got something to prove right let's just you know call a spade a spade i mean schwartzman's just happy to be there like he's happy to be there he can play a couple of practice matches <laughs> and uh, you know when he loses and gets kicked out early in the round robin situation he can go to harrods 
buy his girlfriend a nice gift, maybe a Chanel bag. But, you know, sorry. <laughs> I mean, even though Schwartzman knocked out Nadal earlier in the clay court season, you know, and there was a lot of promise for him in the French Open. I mean, good for him for making the, you know, the eighth spot. I mean, to me, he's like the Berrettini of last year. So... Yeah, no one's talking about you, but good for you for making for making it there. Your girlfriend's going to enjoy a nice gift that you bought for her in London. <laughs> um, but just like you, I was really looking forward to seeing how Ruby Red was going to do because he's carrying, I think, the most momentum, maybe aside from Medvedev, um, into the finals. But shall we get into it? <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. You you watched that match. I saw the score because it was one of those moments where I was actually on our Instagram and I got screwed over because I saw the results because all the <laughs> ATP, t- ATP and, you know, even the US Open post the results of the World 2 Finals. Your tournament's over, all right? Stop posting the results <laughs> of other events. Okay. Jason, wait, first of all, Jason has a thing about, yes, Jason, no offense Australian Open we love you your tournament is coming up very soon but uh, Jason publicly said why are you posting the results at the US Open I mean I I think Jason has a thing about that yeah anyway so I was very much looking forward to this Nadal Rublev matchup Nadal being Nadal I mean there are no more words that I can use to express his status in the sport and Ruby Red being my choice on the ATP Instagram vote for winner of the whole damn thing because you know I was gushing over him he won St. Peter's Petersburg correct St. Petersburg right. Hamburg yeah like this guy's Vienna. on fire on fire this girl lost 6-3, 6-4. And honestly, he looked very pedestrian. Pedestrian is the word that I would use to describe his play. And it just brought me like to reality. It was a, it was a great reality check for me that Rublev is an incredible, astounding, amazing player. But against one of the big three, he looked so ordinary. I mean, his forehand, his backhand that was that was working so well in all of the finals that he played before just looked like regular shots against Nadal. And, you know, it, it, Rublev, whom you and I had described previously as a person that was very um, frugal with his points in that he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He really forces the opponent to for, to, you know, force the issue. I mean, Nadal was just kind of, even though 3-4 is not necessarily like a blowout, I mean, Nadal was just picking up all those balls, hitting his heavy forehand, and I mean, he can join Diego at Harrods because (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that he's going to get out of his pool, no offense. So you don't think he has a better chance... He's, he's beaten Sitsi Pass a couple times, so he could win that match. And then he also has to play against Dominic Team. Yeah, I mean, against Team, team and Sisi, he has a better shot. But I think my, my boy Sitsi is a bit thirsty to really prove himself and also as defending champion. But Sitsi lost his first match to Domi. Okay, well, yeah, get into that because I know the, that you watched that match. Yeah, so the, I watched that match and, you know, they... It was just like a whole nother <laughs> level, a whole nother level in terms of just the ball striking, like right out of the gate. I was like, yes, OK, there's no freaking fans, but it doesn't matter. This hitting is so good. They were 
on fire. And mm-hmm. it was just a great match. Three sets and Dominic pulled it out. Yeah, I mean, from my, you know, very basic observations of the last set, it looked like Titi was just out of energy. You know, team looked in it to win it the whole damn time. And then CC just let his foot off the gas pedal in the middle of the third set. And that's what clinched it for Dami. He got he got his revenge because, as you may recall, they were the finalists last year. And this that was the last time that they actually played a match against one another. So, yeah. I know. I mean, Tsitsi's got an uphill climb, and I know that I haven't been talking about him. My love for him is waning, and uh, he just needs to kind of get a clutch win, and I will, you know, be on his on his ship again. So you don't think he has? Well, you just said he might have a chance against Rublev, but perhaps not against Nadal. So you you see Nadal coming through at least in that group to make the semis. Yeah, I mean, Nadal is uber competitive. He probably watched the ceremony of Djokovic being the number one player for the sixth <laughs> time and was like, with binoculars being like, I'm going to win this year. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in that exact voice. <laughs> I mean, he's probably got something to prove. This is one of the, the notches on you know in his mantle or on his trophy case that he he doth not have so tell us ellen on one of our fans (laughs) tell us what you think do you think he's gonna take it Uh, yeah ellen tell us how you what you thought of of his performance against uh what's his face rublev well against rub against ruby red yeah and and let us know what he said about that blue clay in madrid (laughs) she would know she would know and she would know if he was the first to complain and we probably know that too but please give us your take on his complaint of the blue clay in madrid that year (laughs) that they switched the clay (laughs) right anything else on the who do you think the semi-finalists will be so i guess the way it works is one group um They'll have two semifinalists, but I think the runner-up from one group faces the winner in the other group. Uh, okay. I think that's how it works. Okay, sorry. You know what? My memory is terrible. Give me the give me the group again. So, so it's the Rublev. So the the Tokyo group is Djokovic, Medvedev, Zverev, Schwartzman. So you've already exnaged Schwartzman there. Bye. 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 We have Nadal. Team Sitsi and Rublev in the other group, and you've ixnade Rublev. So it's Joko and uh, what's his face? So I, can't, I can't remember. Medvedev, Djokovic, and Medvedev in the first. First, for sure. For sure. And then uh, Nadal and either Team or Sitsi. Nadal and Team. Okay. For sure. And Nadal and I th- Team. I think you wanted to talk uh, also. Um, about the Zverev match and how that Zverev-Medvedev match went today. Absolutely. I mean, very quickly, Djokovic dismantled Schwartzman, 6-3-6-2. So, I mean, that's bye. Goodbye. Um, (laughs) Medvedev versus Zverev. Now, I know that though you are a diligent watcher of all tennis matches, this match eluded you. Um, You do not actually know how the match ended up and i'm just curious do you i well i mean i'm sitting here in my office as you can see in the dark (coughs) so i'm still here (laughs) at work so i am also in the dark on the result of this match 
literally and figuratively in the dark. Exactly. So my question to you is, having covered the Zverev story over the past two weeks, um, considering his remarks um, at the trophy presentation at Bercy, where he said, no one is going to take this smile off my face, and his back-to-back win at Cologne, I mean, Zverev is carrying a lot of momentum into the finals and he plays the guy that he lost to at Bercy. So just out of curiosity, how do you think it went? Well, I mean, to your point, he is carrying a lot and there is ongoing media attention to the allegations that have been um, levied against him and those charges um, being taken seriously. And I know he had a presser before the start of the event where he was asked again and I understand that he was actually on his phone while he was responding to that question <laughs> so he, I think he was looking down and on the mic and and <laughs> responding to that question so that tells me that it's obviously getting to him and you know the allegations as they are they probably should so I think maybe it impacted his play today do you think that he won it he won his match I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Medvedev won. Do you think that Medvedev won in three sets or in two? I'm going to say in two. Okay. Do you want to give like uh, just a guess of a scoreline? I'm going to say seven, five, six, two. Well, I mean, you're not wrong in terms of games lost, but Medvedev won the match against Zverev six, three, six, four. Oh, so my just general observations from this match are the following Medvedev looked sharp I mean he clearly was it hasn't he hasn't lost a beat since his win in Bercy um he just played Zverev so you know they both had the advantage of seeing each other's game not more than a week before um, but Zverev looked out of sorts. He had a couple of uncharacteristic double faults. As we all know, Zverev's serve is one of his strengths. Um, he had a little bit of like a negative attitude on the court, which I, I mean, again, you can infer and you can guess up the yin yang, but I just, the narrative in my head was that, you know, finally this public pressure, the story that Olga released over the past few weeks is starting to get to him. And he just, he did. He really looked out of sorts. Med, uh, Zverev at Bercy looked really sharp, but Zverev in London looked very wackety whack. <laughs> just he looked whack, like out of sorts. And uh, I mean, no one likes to see it or hear it, but I do believe that you know his personal life is starting to get you know the media attention and all of that is starting to get to him. So it is affecting his game. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot obviously going on with him having uh, a, an incoming child with one girlfriend and then the <laughs> allegations uh, of the other ex. Um, his serve, you know, as you 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 said, it's gotten better. But he, before the COVID shutdown, he was struggling with his serve. Like he was having mm-hmm. upwards of 12 double faults in, in matches sometimes. I think if you watch the Acapulco event back, you'll see... Um, him really struggling with his serve, which was also um, part of his play at the Australian Open. So uh, if it's creeping back in, then you're probably right that there's something um, bothering him. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame. 
But um, yeah, those are that's kind of the coverage for day one and day two. Yeah. So next week we're gonna wrap up the World Tour finals and wrap up 2020 as you know astounding and unusual and crazy as it was in the world of tennis and the world of this podcast. <laughs> um, but before we go, the last thing I think we should share is. Australia 2021, we know, is all going to happen in Melbourne. It's going to be the triple in the bubble. The triple in the bubble, not the double in the bubble. Is there a word that's a synonym for bubble that rhymes with triple? Trouble. Trouble? It's it's big trouble. (laughs) The triple in the bubble is trouble. What about, like, the triple in the whipple? Is a whipple like a... Like it could could it be I don't know what a whipple is. <laughs> Maybe our, our Australian fans could come up with a little moniker for this whole month long event that's going to happen uh, at the 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 national is it the national tennis center I don't know the 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 tennis center in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I know that's exciting news that they're going forward with that, and uh, you know we've had some insider scoop from our from our buddy the cute koala. Over in Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne. I know it's it'll be good. I think obviously they had the model or have seen the model of success um, from the uh, Western Southern U.S. Open double in the bubble. So now they're going to try and top it with the triple. I'm looking forward to how Benoit Paire and Christina Mladenovic <laughs> um, report the the situation in Australia because, uh, as we remember, their you know their criticism of what happened in New York was uh, pretty vocal. They were pretty vocal about that. Yeah, and if they think the people in New York were strict, wait till you get to Melbourne because they lock shit down when you get to like 60 cases in that city. So watch out. Uh, I don't know. I, it w- it will be it will be interesting to see how the Australian Tennis Federation deals with that. It deals with that, especially with the you know the mounting public pressure to execute a tennis tournament. I mean, clearly that's how the French Federation felt, and that's how the U.S. you know the U.S. organization USCA felt. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, I can pro- probably state pretty clearly here that there will be no card games in other players hotel rooms and there'll be no tubs of ice cream on the beds you'll have to stay in your own room and you'll have to play cards virtually through your computer via zoom (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly okay let's uh let's call a show that was a lot there was a lot of tennis this week eh yeah let us know what you think email us follow us on the social send us uh, you know IG messages like the one and only Vika Azarenka to say you'll come on our show are you hearing me Vashik yeah and uh, you know just to add we this is our 26th episode click the link in our bio on IG you get to choose whichever episode you want to listen to dating all the way back from is it May must be May wow so i mean just enjoy who cares about all those netflix series get yourself cozy with ready play tennis podcast (laughs) yeah i don't think there's anything else to say that's it that's it see you next week bye hey it's your serve if you love this episode be sure to give us a five-star review and don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the rackets about see what i did there and don't forget 
follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya!